You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, and welcome to the Locked On Seahawks podcast. I am Grant Goldberg, joined by Spike Friedman, who is going to have us joined by Pete Carroll, in a way. Spike, how are you going to have Pete Carroll on this podcast? <laughs> I'm just following Bob Condota from the Seattle Times' updates. As Pete Carroll is currently on 710 ESPN, and we uh, well, so we'll be getting we'll be breaking news for you that will have already broken three hours ago. Uh, so get excited, people yeah, out there. You'll podcast. get our our live take, uh, so we can't you know think it out, and you'll just get the pure uncut thing. So you know, get ready for that. I don't know how that's gonna go, but and it's gonna be an experience. Uh, oh, Spike, I didn't watch much football at all yesterday. I was out celebrating a year and a half with my girlfriend, my lovely, lovely Congratulations. girlfriend, and thank you, and her her amazing family. Have to give them a shout out too. Uh, okay. Yeah, so I I was out at the zoo yesterday, and so I didn't get to watch a lot of football. I did get to see elephants, and so okay. I mean, on the scale, like comparing the two, I see football a lot. I don't see a lot of elephants very often, so sometimes you gotta change it up. If Dwayne Brown is not healthy for this Monday's game against Atlanta, do you think the the Seahawks will sign an elephant to play left tackle or go with Matt Tobin? Well, see, here's the thing. They haven't had much mobility at that position in a long time. And so I think if you put an elephant right there at left tackle, you're not going to be, you know, changing the game plan up a whole lot. So I I think, like, he could fit the scheme. I think that Tom Cable would like a guy that kind of just bullies their, their matchup for the week. And so I think an elephant is hard to push. He's pretty wide, hard to get by. Uh... As far as eligibility goes, we'll have to get into the nitty gritty and look at the deal, details of that. But I, I think, I think, it's yeah, out. I, uh, you know, having glanced at the rule book, uh, there's nowhere in the rule book that it says a dog can't play football. So I don't know why it would say an elephant can't play football. But that does seem like the sort of thing the competition committee would get a hold of pretty quickly because uh, the game's already dangerous enough without elephants on the field. Yeah, I think Bruce Arians would find some way to adjust the NFL uh, book. Oh, uh, shut up, Bruce Arians! Let us play an elephant for crying out loud. Ugh. The game needs more go back. Elephants. Go back to your tanning bed, Bruce Arians. <laughs> oh, so bored with Bruce Arians and his anti-elephant bias. Ugh. Seriously, like, come on, lighten up. <laughs> yeah. So, We'll, we'll get into it now. I think the the biggest thing concerning the Seahawks today is Byron Maxwell is working out for the team. Uh, he was last with the team a few years ago before he was signed away by the Eagles. And uh, Spike, you have a pretty interesting Pete Carroll quote about his tenure with the Eagles, no? Yeah, so when Maxwell got caught in 2016... Pete Carroll talked to ESPN.com and was talking about how he was used in Philly, sort of subtweeted the Philly coaching staff. And he was like, he's an on the line of scrimmage guy. I think he needs to be played that way, supported that way, and coached that way. That's how he was raised. He's got the right mentality for it. He's very aggressive. He's physical. He's long, has the kind of length that allows him to play with hands on guys. I think he needs to be supported that way. When you coach him that way, he can be as good as anybody in the game. 
which to me, you haven't heard Pete Carroll give that sort of quote about like Walter Thurman or Brandon Browner, even though we've brought Browner back, that he's willing to go out there and talk Maxwell up like that as recently as like 16 months ago. Uh, And then Maxwell obviously had a pretty good season last year in Miami. There's reason to think that Carroll thinks that if Maxwell comes and looks good, he will be able to have an impact. Uh, So I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, look, this team is facing a ton of uncertainty. We talked about it in a moment of peaked emotion last week, but this team hasn't started a game without Richard Sherman on the field in six and a half years. Uh, Obviously, the backup situation is thin but not dire with Jeremy Lane, Justin Coleman, Shaq Griffin, but man, would it be good if we could bring in Byron Maxwell and have him look good. Uh, so, you know, that that's uh, that's what I'm saying. I'm getting some updates right now. Woo! Carol on Earl Thomas should be back against Atlanta. Cam Chancellor, Cam Chancellor needs some more tests to know for sure. Dwayne Brown will find out. Hopefully he has a chance. Don't love the Carolology on that. That feels that. like... That feels like two weeks, not one, doesn't it, Grant? Yeah, that that oh, it's that's uncertain for Dwayne Brown. I don't love that. Uh, Falcons running back Devontae Freeman though is unlikely to play after suffering a second concussion this week, so that changes the equation on the other side of the ball, making this game instantly look like it's going to be an ugly and terrible Seahawks slugfest again. So, uh, sorry, to bring it back to Byron Maxwell, though, Grant, you have any thoughts on the cornerback situation? Well, yeah, I think that any depth that they can get is welcomed, especially with a guy that knows the system, is familiar with the coaching staff, and we've seen produce in Seattle, and that Pete Carroll quote kind of relaxes me a little bit. You know, you're unsure of Maxwell coming off, you know, uh, a really weird year this year in Miami and being, being cut. But he's a guy that's, like I said, familiar with the system. And so he's he'll have that Earl Thomas behind him. He'll have Cam Chancellor behind him. And he'll be able to play the style of football that he really excels at. I think that he can be a, a good addition to the team, a team that needs depth at the cornerback position right away. And it's a guy that won't take a bunch of time to kind of learn the playbook and get familiarized with it. Yeah. He's, he's was drafted in Seattle in 2011. He spent a few years with the team, so I think you could plug him in and he can play. And and uh, hopefully we'll have to we'll we'll sign him in favor of Trevon Reed. Yeah, and my favorite thing about Maxwell from his time with the Seahawks is that he is the sort of guy who makes game changing plays. Uh, he his ability to force fumbles, strip the ball down the field, um, pick the ball like he's a turnover creator. He is not he's he's not Richard Sherman. You know, he is not that pure lockdown guy. He gets beat, but he influences the game. And weirdly, the way Griffin has looked, you could see Griffin being the guy who moves to left cornerback if they trust his technique to do that. Uh, I don't know how hard that transition is, if I'm being totally honest. Right. Um, And obviously, Maxwell's played more on the left side in Philly and Miami. But in terms of how that role in the Seahawks defense works, Griffin looks more like that Sherman-esque stay with the guy like you're glued to him, with the exception of the one Josh Doxson throw earlier this year. Otherwise, he's been really good at staying with his man pretty much all over the field. Maxwell's the sort of guy like Jeremy Lane 
who, you know, takes risks and those risks pay off and it's exciting when it does, but sometimes he gets beat. So you don't necessarily want him on like a number one type receiver. Yeah, if if, if he's on Julio Jones the whole game, that's going to be a bad game for Seattle. Uh, they're going to have to put up a lot of points. What is a stinger, Grant? What is Camp? I did not expect Cam Chancellor to be not playing. Ay, well, ay, what are with these stingers, man? Stingers are so weird because like they could be really short-term things or they can be really scary things where uh, it turns out you may not be able to play football again in Cliff Averill's case. So I, I don't know, and that's scary to me because like yeah. we've seen how it varies, how it could be like nothing to worry about, or it could be you know something super concerning. Um, Got it. So it's an injury to the neck or shoulder that causes a stinging feeling down the arm. Football players are affected most often uh, because football is a terrible nightmare sport. What are we doing? Jesus. Up to half of all college football players have experienced at least one stinger. Jeez, I, um, I feel like that's not fun to experience. And, like, all of the players to, like having experienced it once like that just like make me not want to play football yeah i'm not gonna play football if i'm being totally honest i think my time all the listeners out there my time has come and gone to try to make the nfl i think i'm i'm a little old to try at 20 I'd, i'd need to learn how to play professional football from the beginning i've never played organized football in my life and uh so i i think i'm a long shot to make the league at this age yeah, I mean, hey, believe in yourself, though. Always believe in yourself. Okay, so we're going to step away real quick, and then we're going to get back into what happened in the Atlanta Falcons and Dallas Cowboys game that happened this Sunday. I don't like that Dwayne Brown news either, Because, uh, and, and let's transition into what happened this week that Grant and I did not watch particularly closely, but followed by reading the news, and we are going to read the newspaper to everyone today, effectively. <laughs> um, uh, but... In that Atlanta game, uh, dear God, dear God, Atlanta beat the heck out of the Cowboys and did so with Adrian Claiborne getting six sacks um, by dominating a backup left tackle. Uh, Grant, how do you feel about the Seahawks after that running out of backup left tackle? I don't think Matt Tillman's a good matchup for any defensive end. And having seen Adrian Claiborne get six sacks on Dak Prescott makes me think, oh, well, you know, Russell Wilson's a little mobile, but so is Dak Prescott. And I start to cry. I start to weep. And I start to think, oh, wow, this is going to be a really not fun game to watch. Yeah. Yeah. It could get really bad. Uh, Some more bad news from Bob Condota. Uh, Pete Carroll says Deshaun Shedd's uh, rehab has hit a bit of a plateau. Mm. And so... Uh, unlikely to get him back, making Byron Maxwell's return to the team probably more likely at that point. Right. Uh, They they need Maxwell to come in and have a good workout. I think that this is, I mean, this is like a a pivotal point in the season. I think you need to, you need to get some assurance at the cornerback position. And if, if Maxwell doesn't look good and Reed doesn't look good, you know, you're still searching for some more depth and against a a team like the Falcons, who's going to be airing it out. It's, it's going to put, 
it's gonna put the game in jeopardy and you're gonna and if you lose you're gonna fall back further and not only is the you know, home field advantage a long shot but even making the playoffs it gets tougher yeah oh boy well and and i think i mean we have to i think at some point maybe we'll talk about this later this week in more detail but at some point we have to reckon with like george Fant, cliff averill richard sherman chris carson Potentially Cam Chancellor, missing Earl Thomas for a couple games that proved crucial in a loss. Like, are the Seahawks one of the teams that are too injured to win the Super Bowl? Uh, maybe at this point. Like, we don't know. And I think that's why this week is going to feel particularly anxious. You know, we're going up against, even if they have not been as good this year, Matt Ryan and Julio Jones and a really powerful potential Atlanta offense. Um Weirdly, I think Freeman being out might be good for them because they might get it through their brains that they should spread the field with Tevin Coleman, split him wide, and stretch out a secondary like they did last year with Shanahan as their offensive coordinator. So, and if we can't hold up without Richard Sherman, that doesn't bode well, and we don't know. It's it is genuinely uncertain. Yeah, we're so we're venturing into the unknown this week against the Falcons. Yeah. I will say though. It does kind of feel like one of those seasons where like stuff happens in the middle, and then you sign a guy like uh, like you sign a Michael Robinson in the middle of the season a few years ago, and you sign Byron Maxwell this season, and you have these injuries, but you start to get healthy towards the end of the year. You you get Earl Thomas back, you get Cam Chancellor healthy, Deshaun Shedd comes back, Chris Carson might come back at the end of the year. But I guess what I mean, like, uh, yeah, I get it. You're hyping us up. But I'm like, we're not getting Chris Carson back, probably. We're not getting Cliff Averill back, probably. It sounds like we're not getting Deshaun Shedd back, probably. We're not getting Malik McDowell back. We're not getting George Fan. You know, like, we're not getting Richard. Like, it's a long list of guys. Like, when we won the Super Bowl, Okung was out for a while. Bobby Wagner was out for a while. But, like, by week 15, we had our whole team minus Sidney Rice. And we're not there right now. We're nowhere near there right now. And I'm starting to get like a little bit of a queasy feeling that we're one or two too many guys down. You know? Yeah, I think it's uh, you have to kind of wait and see how this Atlanta game goes. And I think this is going to be a very good barometer of how the rest of the season is going to go. And to see how they they come back without Richard Sherman and how teams attack them, it's 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 very sad talking about football without Richard Sherman. But uh, you know, hopefully he gets healthy. Hopefully he gets back and returns to form. But for right now, uh, a lot hinges on the matchup between the Falcons' wideouts and the secondary because you got a Cam Chancellor who's you know dealing with that stinger, might not play. And you're you're throwing out Shaq Griffin, Justin Coleman, and Jeremy Lane, and you're kind of you know banking on those young guys to succeed, and you know that's that's going to be a big test for them. It's it's really against one of the NFC's biggest competitors, and right after this, we'll get into a couple other teams in the NFC that are kind of scary to the Seahawks going into the postseason if they make it. Oh wait, hold on, more news though. You ready? Yep. Uh, Luke Jokel could come back this week and potentially side with Dwayne Brown on one side of the offensive line. And then, bam, next news item, Chance Chris Carson is back in early December. So, you know, look, this is a roller coaster. Oh, not early December. I'm sorry. I said early December. In December. You know what? I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah, Christmas. 
Christmas is coming, baby. Christmas is coming. Thank you. But also, injury gods. For also, this one. maybe not because it's uh, it's Pete Carroll, and who knows? Yeah. But this is a real roller coaster. This is the this is the way we got to do these pods now. It's me reading other people's tweets out loud on the air. Yeah, I think it provides a lot of uh, emotion, and I think that's good. But we'll get into the yeah. the rest of the NFC contenders right now. All right, so you know, coming off this past week of football, you got two teams that were kind of neck and neck with the Seahawks as the heavyweights in the NFC, besides the Philadelphia Eagles. And we're talking about the Los Angeles Rams and the New Orleans Saints. Spikes, yeah. New Orleans Saints, that he's yeah. been so yeah. complimentary. I was, of. I was on them early. He, you were, you Grant, were ahead was that, of the pack. You were ahead of the I pack. I was. I think they were two and two when I started the Saints hype train. Maybe three and two. But somewhere in that range, and it's because it's obvious. Like if and the way they're doing it was not necessarily totally apparent at the time, but it was like if Drew Brees is anything like Drew Brees, and you add a above average aspect of their defense, which is their pass defense, their secondary is above average. You know, we saw their pass rush last year; it wrecked our it wrecked the Seahawks. We lost to them. So, you know, you've a you know, you've got a decent pass rush, good secondary. I mean, Marshawn Lattimore is better than good, it turns out. He might be one of the top five corners in the league already. And then you add in dimensionality to the running attack with uh, Camera and Ingram, and you're just like, oh, yeah, that's a really good football team. And as bad as they've been over the last few years – that's because they were running out historically bad defenses. And when you run out a historically bad unit, you're done so. You can't be historically bad on one side of the ball. You can be okay on one side of the ball if your quarterback is Drew Brees and you've got two really good running backs and you've bolstered your offensive line with Ryan Ramchick, who's pretty good. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, I don't like they're good. They're a threat and they're blowing teams away. And they were doing it running the ball. They had one drive against the Bills where they ran the ball every snap and didn't have a run go for fewer than five yards. That's insane. We've watched the Seahawks this year. I don't think we have a five-yard run, much less an entire drive comprised of five-yard or greater runs. You can't lose if that's what's happening. So, anyway, it's wild how good they are. You know who I don't think is as good, though? And this is controversial. Yeah, Grant. They're not. Okay. So they're the number one team in TVOA, and they're going to stay that way after shredding the Texans. They beat the Texans 33-7. to Now let's break, the, let's break down both aspects of that. 33. That's a lot of points to score. I agree. You know, uh, if, if like, say, but, like, do we think the Seahawks are his, a historically great offense, Grant? I would not say so this year. And, and how many points did the Seahawks score against the Texans, Grant? 41. Yeah, and sure, did they have one defensive score? They sure did. So take away seven, what do you got from 41? 34. <laughs> 34. Jesus, man. It's okay. It's okay. I, was, I, wasn't, 34. I wasn't prepared 34, to do 34, still greater than 33. So the Seahawks offense did better against the Texans than the Rams did. And yeah, there's game state in there. There's a bunch of stuff going on. But again, it's not crazy to score 33 points. And now let's look at the other side of the ball. What quarterback did the Rams play against this week? They played against oh, Tom Savage. Oof. Tom Savage! Who did the Seahawks play against, Grant? Deshaun freaking Watson. 
That's right. So I don't want to hear any comparisons about the Rams and the Seahawks based on the common opponent that is the Texans. Seahawks did just as well against a thin Texans defense, and they had to play freaking Deshaun Watson and not Tom Savage. So I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. The Rams are good. We talked about this when we beat them. We talked about it. They're good. But I don't, I still don't think they are a class above the Seahawks. And if they are, therefore, the class of the NFC, potentially, then the Seahawks are still in that class, assuming that the Richard Sherman injury is not more devastating to our scheme than we think it is. Grant, I'm done ranting. Rant over. What are your thoughts on the current NFC situation? Well, I think that, one, if the Seahawks play Tom Savage in Seattle, I think maybe the Houston Texans score less than seven points. And yeah. and the Seahawks can score just as many. I don't think they feel pressure to put as many points on the board. But the the Texans offense definitely doesn't score seven points. I I feel confident in saying that. Um, I think that the Saints are probably among the Eagles in the scariest teams in the NFC. You you see a team with that complete of an offense, and it presents problems against a Seahawks defense that really wants to you know be aggressive on the line of scrimmage and c- kind of keep everything in front of them as well. I mm-hmm. think that this this offense can attack you any way down the field in the run game and the passing game, and so that presents problems right there. And you're gonna you're gonna be in another Houston Texans type game where you have to, you know, go tick for tat with them and score points. And I think that, you know, the 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 Seahawks as as we've seen them put up points, we've also seen them, you know, come out flat. And so if with an offense as inconsistent as the Seahawks have been, you know, that's a little worrisome. So if we run into the Saints in the playoffs, that's that's a scary matchup and that's gonna take a full team effort to beat them, especially without Richard Sherman. Yeah. Uh, well, and I mean, against the Saints, Richard Sherman's obviously important. Michael Thomas is a very good receiver. But Drew Brees is so good at finding holes wherever they are. And so, to me, Cam Chancellor and Earl Thomas being 100% is the most important thing in a hypothetical matchup with the Saints. They can just do so much, and especially with... Cameron becoming such a big part of the running and passing game. That to me is really interesting too. Uh, I mean, obviously our linebackers have been playing out of their minds. So that sort of di- like that dimension that they've got there, I'm not so worried about. Uh, and we'll, but I think we'll have a better idea again. Like I think this Falcons game is going to be very revelatory because even though they don't have Freeman, they're going to be leaning hard on Tevin Coleman, who is that sort of pass catcher moves laterally, He's a decent down, downhill runner, but he's not Devontae Freeman. So we'll see how we can deal with a simultaneously very good quarterback and pass-catching, stretch-the-field laterally running back uh, and see if Bobby Wagner really is playing at a – if he's just an all-pro or if he really is at that defensive player of the year level right now. Because if we do shut down the Atlanta attack this weekend, then Bobby Wagner is the best backer in football and I'm not scared of anybody is sort of where I land. Right. I think that either we can be puffing our chests out big after this week, or we can just like be in that state of mind where it's like, all right, like pack it up. Like the season's done, get ready for the next one. And so well, this... I don't, I don't even think it's pack it. Like I, mm, this is, I'm, I want to get a little philosophical all right. if you will. Let's hear it. There's like a difference between like 
pack it up and we are thinking Super Bowl or bust. And for the last five years, the Seahawks have been sort of in Super Bowl or bust mode. But, but like when I think about like the bulk of the Mike Holmgren era, we were in the playoffs a lot, but we weren't necessarily one of the top three contenders. And those are fun years. When you and I think about like the Beastquake year, Pete Carroll's first year in Seattle, where you know we could have packed it up. A lot of guys wanted us to tank that last game to get a better draft pick and miss the playoffs, so we never would have had had the Beastquake run. That was like a legitimate opinion that people had, and I was like, yeah, I guess I could see that. No, no, like you can have fun making it to the second round of the playoffs, playing really hard and good football with a great quarterback and a flawed defense. Like, that's totally a fun and good way to enjoy watching football. In some ways, it's better. Like, it's I mean, so like, there's, tense. There's not, like, you know? there's, there's not as much on the line. Like, there's not yeah. like, everything, you know, going into the game. You can just, you know, exhale and have fun. And it's, it's, it is tough to make that mental switch midseason uh, because you do want to do that thing of packing it in. Like my friends who are Packers fans have uh, packed it in a little bit emotionally because when you lose Aaron Rodgers, that would be like us losing Russell Wilson. If we were running on Austin Davis, I'd be all about packing it in because like I don't want my emotions at all connected to the performance of Austin Davis. But if we are like a 10-win true talent team that's going to sneak into the playoffs – like, I kind of want, yeah, let's have some fun. Let's, you know, you can get hot. You can go out and you can beat the Super Bowl champion Saints like we did with the Beastquake here. And if we've got Russell Wilson and we've got Earl Thomas on the field, we've got the frisky upside. We've got the capacity to, even if we are just a 10-win true talent team, to catch fire. We've seen Russell Wilson catch fire before. We've seen Earl Thomas and Bobby Wagner combine to dominate opponents pretty much nonstop. So, you know... I don't know. It's worth saying that it's worth saying that like we could after this weekend, we could lose to the Falcons 28 to 17, something like that. and be like, OK, we're not great, but we're still good. And let's see what good gets us. And so I just want to like prepare myself and our great locked on listeners emotionally for the possibility that that's the case. And I, and I wanted to like clarify a little bit. I didn't mean like oh us, no, I was too, but I mean like the national narrative like all right, the Seahawks need to pack like I'm all for like getting loose and going out and just having fun and you know potentially catching fire. I mean like we've seen like the Seahawks team without like these big expectations like kind of like tear open the league in certain moments. And so like why not just have fun if this game doesn't go well. And I think in this game I, I know the final score is important, but I think it's how the Seahawks yeah. look as a whole team. Love that. Love that point. Yes, 100%. And, like, certain certain moments in the game where you're like, all right, we're going to be all right, even if it doesn't go our way in certain moments. But as in, yeah. in the whole game, I think that if this if this team looks all right and if this team, you know, plays true to its talent, then we're not going to have a whole ton to worry about outside of the injuries that have already happened. Yeah. 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 I, I no. think I think that you know this this really covers it all for today, and uh, you can go ahead. You can leave a five star review on iTunes with the Twitter handle, and you can get entered to win a Pro Football Focus Edge membership. So you can go and and see if Byron Maxwell's workout goes well. You can look up his stats over the last few years and see you know see how he's been doing. See how you know he can really uh, change the ways of the last few years and and really get back to form in Seattle.
Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm hoping, hoping this all works out. And also like, I'm not, like there's also a world where Dwayne Brown and Luke Joko come back. Russell Wilson plays clean all game. We win like 31 to 20. And next week, this is an uh, all Super Bowl Seahawks hype podcast. Like that is in play. It's in play that we lose 27 to 20, and this is a let's have fun the rest of the year podcast. It's possible that we lose 35 to 7 or whatever uh, whatever the Cowboys lost to the uh, – I don't know that we're going to be that bad. But, like, it's possible something like that happens. Uh, I don't know. In primetime at home, it's not possible. Right. So I'm not even going to con- allow for the possibility. All right. I'm going to have two predictions. This is my Monday Great. predictions. I'm going to have two. First – I don't think that one player will amass six sacks on Russell Wilson this week. Okay. Two, it's Monday Night Football in Seattle. I think maybe we see some shenanigans next Monday, a week from today. Ooh, shenanigans. All right, dude. So I'm going to run down per Brady Henderson of ESPN, who's been a great Shield Kapadia replacement over at ESPN. We've had two good ones in a row there. That's great. Great It's great to have good. Yeah. Um... And so let's let's run down what we got. Sherman's having surgery this week is out for the year. Brown, Chancellor, and Procise all uncertain. Brown and Procise with ankles, Chancellor with that stinger. Uh, of those, Brown, I imagine, is the most likely to play because it's he doesn't have that history of ankles the way Procise does, and it's not a weird injury the way Chancellor's is. Though if Chancellor plays, he's more likely to be 100%. Shed not yet ready to practice. But not ruled out for the year. I was talking a little low, but, you know, we'll see. Right. Thomas likely back this week. Wait, who's Thomas? What's happening? Earl Thomas. <laughs> Why do they say Thomas? No one calls Earl Thomas Thomas. Brady I think, has I think to be if dead to me. If we're going to call Earl by one name, it's Earl, not yeah, Thomas. It's Earl. Oh, wait, who, who is Thomas? <laughs> He's like back. Love that. Jokel may be back this week. Chris Carson may be back in December. Mix of good and bad news. More bad than good, but God, Brady, you let me down. Thomas, you made Thomas. me feel like a fool on the air. I complimented you. I think that, oh. you know, if we're going to talk about Thomas, we're talking about Thomas Rawls. If we're going to talk that's about what Earl, we're talking about Earl. Grant, so. that's what I'm saying. Like, I was like, what happened to Thomas Rawls was happening in my head. It's Earl. God. All uh-huh. right. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to close this podcast on that positive note. I think... Well, we can get Carson back. We can get Earl healthy. We can get Cam healthy. Shed might come back. We, we, can, Bowl, we can do this. Hype, we can do this. Hype, for, lo- for Locked on hype, Seahawks and the hype, future Super Bowl hype, champion Seahawks, hype, I'm Grant hype. Goldberg. I'm Spike Friedman.